Dr. Grams. <laughs> newly, it's been a month. The newly minted Dr. Grams. It's a month from, I think, Tuesday. Used to be Miss Buchholz. Buchholz, but yeah, I'll, I'll take whatever is it really, I can get. Is it really Buchholz? Yeah, yeah. There's uh, no k. No, there's oh. like a C, but it's not pronounced. And then you pronounce like a T at the end. Of Buchholz? Or Buchholz? Buchholz. Malk. It's like Pujols, like Albert Pujols, you know, like the big The baseball player. Yeah, but instead of a puh, it's a buh. (laughs) This is going to be great on like speakers because (laughs) enunciation is a little difficult as it is. So there's like puh, buh. (laughs) I told you I was going to just do ASMR the whole time and just be like, I study what what did you pick for your pre podcast snack? A Belvita bar. A bel a Belvita or a Velveeta? A Belvita. You think I was just in here eating a block of cheese? <laughs> I mean <laughs> Let's it's be fair. Whole, let's be fair. It's not like block just <laughs> <laughs> No, not like the don't they make like the little mini ones? Like a string cheese, but like Velveeta cheese? I've never in my life seen string cheese Velveetas. I've only known oh. it as like that whole like. Well, yeah, you know, that like, big old brick of plastic brick? that you melt. <laughs> that tastes quite lovely, actually. No, um, I mean, I was eating a Velveeta bar because our house is like empty with food. Oh, to be fair, though, a Velveeta bar wouldn't have been like completely <clears throat> out of the realm. You know? I think it would. I just, I really don't foresee me eating a block, block of cheese. Yeah, that's true. Towards the I mean, end, of, it... towards the end of the PhD, though. Uh, yeah, you're really sad. Yeah, it <laughs> kind of like starts to weigh on you a little bit, and you're like, that I've definitely cheese is looking at you. It's like you know, like the freshman fifteen. I feel like I've definitely gained like the fifth year fifty. <laughs> the PhD fifty. Yeah. Yeah, I think when I started the PhD program, I was like 180, 185. And when I finished, mm-hmm. I was like 220. It's like, this is not muscle weight either. Like, I like to say that I'm like, oh, I've been like working out. So it's I've been like lifting muscle- the goats. I've been, yeah. And then I like went to go like try on my dress clothes for APS last week. And I was like, <laughs> 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 looks like we're going to have to hit the mall. <laughs> Anybody got, you remember they made those like, uh, I used them when I was a fat kid. They uh, suspenders. It was like, but no, yeah, no, yeah, suspenders. Yeah, I had to hold it up. No, because they, I, I didn't like the suspenders because they like dug into my man boobs, and so mm. it was kind of uncomfortable <laughs> because you, you're fat and then you're chafed and then it's just a, a hot mess. Many places too. I yeah, and like you don't need any more things to like build up sweat and yeast when you're that big. But uh, no, I, I mean the, um, the pants extenders, like the, the extra button. Oh, no. For some reason, I thought you were going to, like, go towards, like, you know, that maternity fabric that, like, is in there. No. I, yeah. But I think all jeans should have that. Yeah. That's what I think. I think it's pretty unfair just to let, just because, like, I, I'm not with child doesn't mean I don't want to be comfortable while wearing jeans. Yeah, that's but, fair. Yeah. Like, after that meal at um, that seafood place, definitely could have used a stretchy band. I was uh I was kind of disappointed with that seafood place. Yeah, me too. I'm the sure the nachos were good though. 
I still dream about those nachos. Yeah. I, uh, well, they said the, the sushi, not, what was it? Sushi nachos? Ma, uh, mahi, ahi. Pokey. Poke. Poke nachos okay. with wonton chips. And I thought it was going to be like, you know, when they come out with like that, like long rectangular plate that they do sometimes for appetizers. Like, yeah. And there's like three chips mm. with some stuff piled on there. I thought that was, was going to be the case. And so I didn't want to order them because there was like 10 of us. Mm. But then you convinced me otherwise and said, no, they're going to be nacho nachos. It's just going to yeah. be like wonton noodles with just like raw fish piled on there. I'm surprised you didn't know that from you. Like I literally lived in the Midwest for a majority of my life. And yeah. I've been living in Seattle for the last five years. And I knew that. And yeah. I knew that because I got them at Hy-Vee <laughs> in Plattsmouth, Nebraska. Why would you buy things. wonton noodles or noodles? Why would you buy uh, sushi nachos at Hy-Vee? It wasn't sushi nachos. It was guanton chips because we had crab oh. ragoon dip. So I, I thought, knew that they knew those. No, I just didn't get. I, I thought you were buying fish it. nachos at like at the High V grocery store. Yeah, I was in like, the middle of a field. Kai, that's... can I have your rawest fish? <laughs> like that's worse than getting the sushi from Seven Eleven. <laughs> like I'm sure this is really fresh, considering we're like five hours from the closest big body of water. Don't you? Don't you kind of question those people though that? You know, like they walk out of 7-Eleven with like a, a sushi roll and you're like, how did we get to this place? Like how, yeah. how how did you look at all of the options that we have? We got the glizzies. We got the pizza. We got the popcorn chicken. We got the chicken tendies. We got the corn dogs. Mm-hmm. We've got fruit cups, sandwiches, wraps, everything. And you walk out of a gas station with a roll of raw fish. I mean, bougie on a budget. That's what that is. Yeah, I mean, it like, could be like one of those colon cleanse diets, you know? That's just, what I was thinking, too. It's just like yeah. they don't want to pay at $3,000 for four juices. So instead of they just hit up their local bodega <laughs> and, just, and get some mystery meat sushi. <laughs> just proceed to shat for the next six days. <laughs> really works. The, the This is the Hollywood diet. This is great. <laughs> Ozemptic. As long as poor people, as long as the scale is lighter, that's all that matters. Oh, but to answer your question before, no, I'm not drinking a soda. This is a uh, a carbonated water. Oh, liquid death! Isn't that coffee? Liquid death? No, it's liquid death is carbonated water. It's flavored sparkling water. This is convicted melon. They, which is my least favorite of the flavors. The lime one's pretty good, and the melon one's pretty good. But it's only like 20 calories and it's actually like not bad. Not that I really care about calories, but it's uh, it's pretty good. Is this for like, you know, like toxic masculinity, like to make guys feel less like Murder masculine? Yeah. So they're not be like, what are you drinking, Nick? And he's like, oh, crying. I'm not drinking a La Croix or a sparkling rain or whatever it's called. Talking a rain. A bubble. I, I did drink a... I, I have to confess, I I hate sparkling water. I've tried many, many, many times. Because, like, when I moved to, like, okay, when in Wisconsin, like, it was uh-huh. strong beer. It was coffee that's going to burn a hole in your stomach and uh-huh. or coat your mouth for a couple. Like, uh-huh. it was thick. Every drink that you had was thick. I remember I was over at uh, Bert's one time. No one knows who Bert is. Bert was my PhD advisor who also I- happened to be. Kirsten's PhD advisor. We'll get into that later. But anyways, I was out in the I was out in the middle of his field because I did like farm work for my PhD. And 
and I was like digging a hole and it was like a hundred degrees in <laughs> Southern Wisconsin in the middle of like August. So it's humid AF and like Helen walks out with a tray and she always makes like the best food. Right. But she, mm-hmm. I've been digging this, what I thought was my own grave for like the past four hours, <laughs> just like sunburnt, like a lobster sweating. And she comes out with like this glass of whole milk and a sausage. <laughs> And I was like, like I, the, th- the thought is fantastic, but it is 102 degrees outside. There is not a single cloud cover to be seen. I'm in the middle of a field. There's no hills. There's nothing there. You're just cooking in like the book holes and your options are sausage and whole milk. Like, it's going to go down smooth. Oh God. Yeah. It was, that's a, that's a testament to your stomach. Yeah. <laughs> And it's but, always yeah helen always makes really good food but sometimes it's just like you're like i've never seen this i didn't even know this vegetable existed nope didn't even know yeah i'm very cultured yeah no when i was talking to maddie right before this um she thought i was drinking a beer at like what was whatever it? What time i guess it's, it's noon is it noon a little noon, so and brisky yeah and i was like do you think i'm just like getting blitzed on a friday right before doing things I mean, it wouldn't be like out of the question, but give me another way to do. <laughs> I haven't stooped to that level yet. I mean, postdoc does make you sad. Postdoc makes you sad. Postdoc makes you impoverished. Impoverished. Impoverished and, and bitter. In crack open a brewski at ten a.m. Crack open a brewski. Yeah. Somehow, somehow, I think the uh, the uh, Office of Regulatory Affairs would not be too pleased with that i mean not to say that we haven't done some some questionably sober catheterizations but yeah you know <laughs> when you're on call oh you're on call God. yeah i know i mean that was just like did you hear that time where i had a sack of goat at um can you can you probably should explain what sack of goat means because oh yeah i forget it's that, not like, common knowledge I'm actually like talking to people. So hello, listeners of the Neuro Network. I like Googled it last night. You need to have a website. Do you have a I website? Had, I had a web. You know what? This is the stupid thing. <laughs> I had a website for a long time since we started the Neuro Network, right? It was neuronetwork.org. Fancy because someone else had .com. It wasn't so, Dash? No, it wasn't. It wasn't Dash Lab. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, and and no one looks at the website. You can have like tens of thousands of people that are looking <clears> at like videos, downloading episodes. Like I had like five people that would look at the website because like no one goes to a static website anymore. Who like how many people, you know, are just like, let me go to www.staticwebsite.com and, and like just look at stuff. Huge website girl right here. Are you? Huge website girl. Yeah, I love oh. websites. Are you kidding me? I have chronic anxiety. You're not thinking oh. I'm trying to hit up restaurants try to look at the menu before so anyways okay so on to the story anyways it was uh so i i got rid of the website like last week because it's like 20 bucks a month to host the thing Mm. and so i was like i'm not gonna pay 20 bucks a month just to host this thing for five people can go and look at it which is sponsored by like weebly weebly wix squarespace i had it through squarespace actually squarespace is pretty good and like, but you don't, you don't pay necessarily for the website per se, but you pay for like the domain mm. to like host it or whatever. Anyways, 
nobody was looking at that. So I was like, I'm not going to pay 20 bucks for five people to go and look at some static website that just has a link to my research or whatever, when you can look at all the stuff anyway. So I got rid of it. And then you and probably 10 other people emailed me or sent me a thing with a picture of like the error 404 page not found. And they're like, something's wrong with your website. And I was like, why now? Like I get rid of it and everyone wants to look at the website. And I was like, nobody wanted to look at it before. So I got rid of it. So anyways, rss.com which is where we host the neural network through mm-hmm. uh actually we host the this the recording platform is zencaster but we host like the shows through rss.com that gives you like a free kind of like landing page website so you can go over there yeah, yeah. okay i don't know that. It, right. it's already too late now but <laughs> if you so cool. decide to look later you know if you want to like uh-huh. download your episode and be like look at me aren't i cool i'm on a website or i'm on a podcast you know kind um, of thing yeah well uh, i i asked tristan if he wanted to be on it and he said no what dr graham also dr graham also dr grams because that would have been a wild doctor and, and dr grams because he uh <laughs> just a duo just out here uh i had one he... couple on here one time oh cute was it yeah. you and maddie no, she. I've been trying to get her to do the podcast, yeah. and she says the same thing. What am I going to talk about? And I was like, mm-hmm. "What do you mean? I'm going to get in trouble for that voice?" But what? <laughs> what, what do you mean? What are you going to talk about? You're literally in medical school. Everyone wants to hear about that experience. Yeah, yeah, the experience of medical school, the experience of going through medical school coursework. What it's yeah, like I to meet that person that volunteers to get 200 colonoscopies in the same day. <laughs> That still blows it's gotta happen. Mind. I don't. Ooh. Anyone that's unaware, at least for many medical schools, there has to be someone that volunteers. Someone has to pony up, literally and figuratively, to get like <laughs> pap smeared and get a rectal exam, a proctology exam, like by all the students because somehow they have to learn how to do it. And it's usually it's like, one person. Usually it's one per. I mean, one person for each, right? Like, cause you're not going to, you can't have a dude doing like a pap smear. That'd be tough. No, hard, I just need one, one person for the entire like cohort. Yeah. So it's... <laughs> and it's like all day. That's a rough day or not. I don't know. I don't Not if you're into it, I guess. That's, you know? I, I don't know. No. Absolutely no kink shaming on this podcast. It's <laughs> questionable. I, they're like, you want to meet the person? Nope. I would rather not. <laughs> Actually, I have nothing against you, and I applaud your involvement in medical education. But perhaps, you know, outreach would have been something that you could have done other than getting prodded. But whatever. To each their own. Someone's got to do it. The hero Mm -hmm. that we didn't ask for, but we all needed. The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. Hashtag proctology, man. (laughs) Procto. Procto. I wonder if they do it Uh, every year, though. They sign up every year, the same person? I, I don't know. That's why I wonder if it's the same person year over year. And then they say, wait, so what did Bert say that one time after he got a... Oh. <laughs> I got a he, perfect ass. Oh, my gosh. Bert, uh, not to name names, uh, our advisor at some point, he had a habit of in um, seminars, we would sit in the back, but he can't hear anything. And so he would just like... Scream, whisper scream. scream. Yeah. And he had a colonoscopy one time. Came in, was sitting next to me, leaned over, 
to Dr. Said I got a perfect <laughs> asshole at like two decibels. <laughs> and I was like, Jesus Christ. Um, it's just really fun being a graduate student. Yeah. Just like how the stories that you have could like make a movie out of us. They slap. <laughs> <laughs> so for those that are unaware, uh I did my PhD Medical College of Wisconsin, working with uh, Hubert V. Forster, a world-renowned respiratory physiologist. And uh, also, uh, I wasn't officially co-advised, but I was co-advised by Matt Hodges as well, professor over there. Kirsten came in as a summer student, right? Yeah, Start- spur. Spur, summer program for undergraduate research and got the lovely opportunity to work with me. And... Um, doing the goats because we did goat research and then somehow decided after all of that that she wanted to actually do a phd in the same lab i was the proctologist person i just like kept coming back for more (laughs) (laughs) every day was a new finger (laughs) every day was a new finger and towards the end it was three (laughs) but hey you made it through Hey, and I got before my second year four co-authorships, and you're still getting co-authorships. Yeah, it actually worked out. I kind of got a paper pipeline. Yeah, it was a nice. I was actually, you, you know, the thing that I was most scared about is that building the goat chambers. You know, built the goat chambers, and then, uh, and then you had to follow up and do like a whole another set of studies on the same goat chambers, like using mm-hmm. the same chambers that I built or there that I helped or whatever we kind of all co-built or whatever. And I, like, I feel like my whole dissertation was just barely getting these chambers to make it through. And then it was going to be, yeah, it was going to be like handoff, not my problem. Good luck. All the best to you. I'll be out in Seattle. And like, if you need to call me, don't. And then it became your problem. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because I said, if I'm going down, I'm taking you down with me. (laughs) And Kirsten, Kirsten comes along because because I was like Bert's like you know fifteenth last graduate student because he's I think well, you were I was his 19. last official graduate student yeah no I was no no no, oh, no, you're no. solo me. solo mentoring oh yeah. yeah yeah even though it was pretty much co mentoring but but uh, he was like seventy eight when I started yeah he was he, I think he just turned eighty three yeah. Like, I wish that I was 83 and I was still so passionate about something that I still want to come to work at 83. Proctology girl. I'm 28 and I'm already ready to retire. You're only 28? Yeah. You were an infant when you started. Yeah, I came straight out of the gun because... Oh, wait, no, no, no. I guess that math turns out. Yeah, you're the... Like, you waited, I think, a year or so before you joined. Yeah. I knew that if I got off the horse, there was absolutely no getting back on the horse. So. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I went through. I, I was like, well. Well, you wanted to like go into fitness and stuff like that. Fitness information gym. in my brain. Yeah. No. Yeah, you, <laughs> you lose all the things that you don't shoot for. Well, whatever. Anyways, uh, Spur student tra- transitioned into PhD. Mm-hmm. Took over the CO2 project, which is probably the worst idea because someone with like massive anxiety probably shouldn't be like in charge of monitoring something for 24 hours. I mean, thank 
Thank yeah. God for Lexapro, you know, that like got me through. <laughs> <laughs> My dissertation is sponsored by Lexapro. <laughs> I thought I thought you were saying like Alexa Pro, like a camera made by Amazon or something. And then I realized, oh, oh no, 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 no. She's talking <laughs> no, the, about the, the anti-anxiety <laughs> medication. Yeah. 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 That got me through. Did you, were you on that before starting graduate school or after starting after halfway through halfway no through. way really? i started i think i started during like the end of my or, or second year yeah in mm-hmm. my second year i mean that's kind of risky isn't it why well because like i don't know you're still at that well i guess at that point you're kind of done taking tests and stuff but you know like they, you don't have like a lot of exams and things like that so if you botch one of them then it's pretty hard to dig yourself out of the hole. And like, I don't know. I, I don't think I would mess around with like brain things. Oh, I was just like having panic attacks over nothing. Like I would get a muscle twitch in my leg and be like, I definitely have Huntington's disease and I'm dying in three <laughs> days. <laughs> it was so, just because I like knew so much. <laughs> I was like, I learned about ALS in class today, so I have every symptom. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's nothing... There's nothing more terrifying than being like third year medical school curriculum and like the person that's in charge that is going to be in charge of your health in two years raises their hand and says, wait, what's a nephron? (laughs) Cool. Good. 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 How do we calculate cardiac output again? You know, you collect it in a bucket and you weigh it. Good enough. So yeah, uh, I took over the GOAT project, um, which was interesting because I'm about a foot shorter than you are and mm-hmm. about probably... Give or take 100 pounds less. Pounds less, yeah, on a good day at the start of my PhD. Yeah, they, those we, goats weighed as much or more than you. They stood at like my rib cage. So when yeah. we had to like straddle a goat i was like to help like flush you're riding the goat yeah i was literally like tippy toes like trying to and i'm like this is doing nothing this is just (laughs) i still (laughs) i still have this vivid do you remember uh in the middle of the night when we had to do the goat shuffle and uh we had to drag the goats down the hall (laughs) yeah (laughs) so like we had uh Oh, yeah, I should probably use a good time to mention we both did our PhDs using goats as an animal model. So we had to work with goats a lot. But uh, the goat shuffle was like, I don't remember. Do you remember like why? Yeah. Oh, because we had like extra goats or something. We had to move yeah. down the hall. In our like study room, we didn't want so we could like store two goats. But like during the studies, you can only want one goat because, you know, they're very social animals. So we had yeah. to take these other goats down to this like sheep room there were no sheep in at the time but um and it was like a good long hallway like it was it was a ways away yeah it wasn't just way, like a hop skip and a jump yeah it wasn't like two doors down it was like eight no, you had to take the goat for a walk yeah and so that's why we had to move him down there is because we needed to be solo and i'm like a senior in college and it's 2 a.m. in the morning, and we got to get this goat down. And its name is Gary because we named <laughs> the goat. Right. <laughs> and this is for my PhD. This yeah, is like yeah. not this for is yours. Just, yeah, it's just for an undergraduate experience. Like, 
<laughs> but I, I was there. I was also there. there. I should add yeah. that I was also. I didn't. Yeah. We didn't have you there at two o'clock in the morning by yourself. By myself. With the goats. Yeah. 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 So there was two goats because there was three goats in the room. We had two yeah. in the kitchen. Oh, that's oh, good. Silentry. Uh, I'll finish the story and then I have to go get it. Intermission. Quick intermission. Go get your long. Go get your laundry. Right and come back. Yeah. Go get it right, yeah, now. right now. I'll just okay, let it. Fine. I'll just let it keep going and then I'll. Okay. I'll It'll be like, like so quick. I just have yeah. to like run clear across the courtyard. <laughs> okay. Knees to chest. Knees to chest, Kirsten. And we're back. Okay. That's right. I had a little humidity. snack. I had a little snack in the interim. Mm, a good um. Is that like a barbell thing? Yeah, they're actually. Have you had them? Uh, I think I've had it once. They're not mm. too like bad. No, they're not bad at all. I was, uh, you know, usually when it says plant-based protein, it's synonymous with I'm going to fart for the rest of the day. Mm, love that. But these aren't. They're just like a protein bar. But don't make you gassy. Gotta love that. Is it like pea protein or what? Oh, wow. You know, I never checked. I don't really. Uh, just says vegan protein blend. Uh, soy, mm. pea, and rice. Ooh, and yeah, vegetable. Pea protein, which are peas, so. Peas, protein comes from peas. That's a good deduction. No, I meant, because you said vegetable, so, which are, pe- are peas. Oh. <laughs> I got, I connected oh. that pea protein is protein, yeah. Yeah. Got that one. Free shavakadu. Free shavakadu. Gary the goat. Gary the goat. I was dragging her butt down this corridor. We should probably um, mention Gary the goat was a girl goat. Yeah, we only do females. Because uh, yeah. I'm not trying to get uh, even more bloody noses than I already got. So. Yeah. Um, so anyways, we had to move the goats because the goats are friendly and they like to talk to each other. And when we're trying to study breathing, talking is not a good thing. So we had to move Gary and one of the other goats down the hall to the sheep pens mm-hmm. but there were no sheep in there so they were just hanging out and then at two o'clock in the morning we had to go get them and if you aren't aware for those that aren't familiar with farming uh goats are some of the most these goats i guess i can't speak for other ones but at least the goats that i've worked at are like some of the most stubborn animals i've ever experienced so she really dug her heels into that uh cement <laughs> walkway and i i'm not very strong <laughs> so, so i was so i turn around i'm already down the hall with the goat because i just like carried the goat didn't even look behind me because it's two o'clock in the morning i just want to go home go to open the door go to put the goat in there i turn around kirsten is still four feet from the door <laughs> 40 paces back literally this goat has her heels dug deep and Kirsten is yanking yeah. on this like full harness. body on the harness. Like if the, if she let go, she would she would eat concrete pretty hard. Like committed to this pull, and this goat is not going anywhere. And all I hear is, "Come on, Gary, move!" Like <laughs> Marge Simpson. That was I don't know. That's the only thing I could like. Come on, Gary, Gary. Gary, 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 I have, I want to play a game. It's literally what she did. She was like, no, locked elbow. It's like. Just wouldn't move. And yeah. I said, 
after the experience, yeah, I want more of this. <laughs> I want to do this for four years and do PhD coursework and yeah. write a dissertation. Mm, I ch- choices were made. I can't say whether they were good, but <laughs> you know, it was a unique time in the lab. It, it was. was. A, it was a unique lab. It wasn't. You don't it, get the full experience until you've been in there. No, I. I mean, I guess if anything, um, it's an attraction because people are like, "Oh, what do you do?" And I'm like, "I study like goats," and then they automatically think that I'm like a farmer. Just do, do stuff with agriculture, which is like the furthest mm. thing that I would ever want to do. Because I'm did goat were... from Nebraska. That doesn't mean anything. I was not in 4-H. I made fun of people that were in 4-H. You weren't in 4-H. Do I look like I was? In 4-H? I thought they gave you like I thought they gave you like a 4-H badge when you were birthed. Yeah, you just exit the womb and then you're automatically yeah. given a 4-H badge for like breathing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I was not like. I lived on a farm, but it wasn't like an animal farm. Um, I was like very disconnected from the rest of the world. Yeah. When did that change? Did it change? <laughs> no, like yeah. so. When I, like, in high school, I was, I was like, oh, I like anatomy and physiology. And everyone's like, be a doctor. Be a, well, the, to me, they were like, be a nurse. Because, you know, I was in, like, conservative Nebraska. So, like, women can't be doctors. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Podcast instantly canceled. Uh, no, I'm for feminism. Like, go get that PhD, girl. Women go, in STEM. Go get it. You know? Uh, and so I like when everyone was like, I didn't know that like being a scientist wasn't like a chemist. And so when uh, I met Paul Martino for who everyone who doesn't know was my mm-hmm. undergrad advisor, but who Paul's also got his, but who also got his PhD in the same lab as Nick and I was like, yeah, I'm a physiologist. And I was like, ooh, t- tell me more about what that is. So like, I was. Why did so, that sound was, so seductive? Like that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> I just, like, love physiology, man. It <laughs> <laughs> just, like, courses through my veins. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, like, didn't know, like, being a scientist was, like, anything science-related. I thought if I just, like, liked anatomy and physiology, I had to be a doctor. Mm. And But then you realized you can, in fact, do physiology for a living. Yeah, yeah. That was, like, mind-blowing oh. for me. You can still be a doctor, but it's, like... If You're like, plane, a, like if someone has a heart attack on a plane and they're like, is anyone a doctor? You don't, you, you can't raise your hand, but you still are like, a doctor. Yeah. But like I can tell you probably why, what's like what's, yeah. I can tell you what's happening, but like yeah. you're on yeah, your I own. Yeah, I can't fix it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we can re- reverse engineer this problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was it you that taught me about the, uh, Dr. Death or was that Maddie or was that someone else? Uh, I think I told Maddie or Maddie Ooh, told me. I don't the know. Spicy drama. Uh, I don't know which direction it came from. Either Maddie um, to me or me to Maddie. Mm. Uh, and then it somehow got to you. Anyways, the doctor had, like botched a bunch of surgeries because he somehow made it through residency with only doing like a hundred surgeries. Yeah. Which, but did like, you know he's done more than that? Yeah, and he was a researcher, uh, MD, PhD. Yeah. Yeah, and he did some cool stuff. Like, if he would have yeah. not been, like... If he would have not taken his, like, jabroni. experimental... like Brow, yeah. Yeah, experimental surgical skills and, like, just slapped it on a human. Yeah. Might have had a different outcome. We might have had a, you know, cure for something. I don't yeah. know what, but... He... I mean, so many procedures that you do in science are, like, 
non-survival. And we so, were surgeons. I was like straight up out of Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, the, well, in the that was what was great about the goats is because it was like actual surgery because it was survival surgery. So the goats went through surgery, Couldn't but die. they had yeah. yeah, they had to you had to keep them alive for a long time after the surgery. Mm-hmm. So you like Otherwise, scrub in full sterile. Full sterile. You passed out once though. That was pretty funny. It was my first time, and I. <laughs> I like was not expecting it like I was so excited to do it because I was like this is gonna be so cool like this is like what I have to do if I like want to join this lab and then we get down there and I had like like I said I had passed out before so I like knew what passing out felt like because I had um that like vasovagal syncope when I was in high school so I've like knew what I said oh Oh, I was like, you know what that is, right? <laughs> uh, so, fun fact about me <laughs> is I fainted frequently in high school. Um, but we were in there, and like, I think it was just like the combination of like the smell of burning flesh and like locked knees, and just like the fact that this animal was just like it's hot, it's bright. <laughs> yeah, sterile. and then. I'm just like dabbing. I'm sure I'm doing nothing, but I think I'm important. Just like dabbing this blood is where, like, doing this carotid lift. We should and probably I, we should probably preface with the fact that I was doing a surgery to lift the carotid arteries because mm-hmm. uh, we had to put a catheter in the carotid arteries, but the carotid arteries are deep, and so if you try to put a catheter in there, like, it's kind of at a weird angle. So you got to get it closer to the skin. So. We take the carotid artery, separate it from the nerves that are all around there, bring it up towards the skin and suture it under the skin so it looks like this little pulsing worm under the neck. And so that was the surgery that we were doing. And I was doing the surgery and Kirsten was assisting. my student at the time. And so she was assisting and she was the dabber, which is like when things are bleeding, someone's got to dab. So that was me. I was dabbing. And then all of a sudden things got a little blurry. <laughs> kind of got a little bit of tunnel vision and I just simply like placed down my gauze and said Nick I'm going to pass out and then it the was eyes very were calm <laughs> and then the eyes were gone rolled, rolled back and then I fell into the Turkish students that were visiting there <laughs> and then I had to throw up um, oh, yeah and so I, I like looked to our like advisor again and he's like 80 at this time 80 year old hey. farmer yeah I said I have to throw up and I like, don't think I can why? do it in, in this <laughs> I don't think I can do it in this sterile field so he like grabs me by the arm I'm still like coming out of passing out opens the women's restroom throws me in there as I proceed to lose my breakfast <laughs> and then he's just like are you okay it's like nothing about this is okay <laughs> standing back and going she must have morning sickness or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, and then I had to like walk with my tail between my legs back to the thing and then tell everyone that I fainted. Yeah. During my first surgery. And then you were not sterile anymore. So you just had to yeah. sit and watch <laughs> from the corner. Yeah, because it's in the little stool of shame because there wasn't enough time to go scrub back in. Uh, so, but hey, I made it through and I could like, I can isolate those carotids easily now. I'm well, the pro. thing that was weird was that like, you had done a couple of goat euthanasias yeah. prior to that, which is not it's a like, uh, ungory process. Synonymous with like processing a deer. I yes. feel like. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. But like on yeah. a mouse table because they didn't <laughs> have the, 
They didn't have like the right size table. So the table was made for mice. And we just slapped a 130 pound goat up there. (laughs) Clogged clogged the sink. That was clogged the sink a lot. We had a couple of times where it was clogged so bad that the wall that the water started shooting out of the wall. <laughs> yeah, remember that? Oh, yeah, God. yeah. And then why, am getting, reach... why am I getting rained on by like this weird soapy bloody water? Rain. <laughs> That's how you knew our lab was cursed because it was literally raining blood. <laughs> <laughs> I a cook immediately comes in. <laughs> what Shut y'all talking up. about on this podcast? <laughs> Nothing. Enters the chat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then you started your PhD. Oh you yeah. Started your PhD following in the footsteps of I studied yeah. I studied uh, chronic exposure to CO two as is what would happen in like the case of COPD or people in mm-hmm. submarines or astronauts or something like that and so that's what I studied and then Kirsten came in people trapped in caves people, <laughs> whatever cave I forgot about the cave dwelling oh my god we were writing a, we were writing a grant and like. We had, we were doing it, like trying to, one of the things with the grant is like, you got to have some sort of relevance to the grant. Like what is the public health implications of this project so that we can fund it? And so we're like saying, you know, people with COPD or acute respiratory distress syndrome, like they experience high levels of CO2 and we want to understand what the CO2 does to the brain because it has deleterious effects that are somewhat unknown. And then we put in like, you can also have it for people in submarines because they go up, they can get up to like 3% CO2 sometimes if they're you know living down there for naval stuff or in like astronauts. And then Bert slaps on the end there and cave dwelling. Like <laughs> I think it was right after too when those like boy, that boys soccer team got stuck in the underwater <laughs> cave. <laughs> How many people are cave dwellers? <laughs> Like, I don't so it's think relevant. Yeah, it's relevant, I guess. I'm not sure like the population that we're targeting there is gigantic. Or well, whatever. It somehow got funded with cave dwellers. Yeah. So I had big footsteps to fill. Everyone told me that I met. So I just took it as a literal thing because Nick's giant compared yeah. to me. Yeah, a big feet. Yeah. Yeah. We- <laughs> Um, so yeah, I started off with that. We did hypoc apnea. I did the recovery project was my first project. Recovery. Uh, uh, I'm not good at this. It's just recovering. (laughs) Yeah. You're a great storyteller. (laughs) I told you I'd be bad, but yeah. (laughs) It's my first time. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry, I'm a newbie. Um, uh, so yeah, Nick's dissertation was taking these goaties out 30 days of high CO2, 6% inspired CO2. And then my pr- first project was really saying, okay, we took these animals to 30 days. We saw some things happen, ventilation changed, etc. And then... <laughs> We, my project was just saying, okay, what happens when we take these animals back down to room air? And that's what I did. <laughs> Recovery. And- so basically the idea is like <laughs> when you have a patient that is chronically hypercapnic or chronically elevated CO2, 
Mm -hmm. You can't just like you can't necessarily just reverse the CO2 because it's one of the only things that's driving them to breathe and they've adapted to those high levels of CO2. So if you like just completely get rid of it, then you've removed their drive to breathe. So it's like you can take a COPD person and then you can like blow up the CO2 or you can give them, <clears throat> excuse me, hundred percent oxygen and they just die because they mm. don't have anything to tell them to breathe anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what you were saying. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> Nick is, uh, I'm just like not a good speaker. Um, I'm a fantastic writer <laughs> <laughs> because I get to have a few stabs at it <laughs> before anyone else gets to read my mum like yeah. ramblings. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. and so we were interested in the recovery project too, like and uh, because really no studies have looked at that. Like a lot of these studies were based on. Um, these patients, like, and what's really known is these patients come in, they're severely hypercapnic, and then a lot of these clinicians look at it and be like, oh, crap, they're extremely hypoxemic, let's correct the hypoxemia, mm. and then, but the hypercapnia project, like, the hypercapnia side of it just kind of gets sidelines, and you even do have that uh, conflicting literature about uh, whether permissive hypercapnia is good or not, because you people um, so allowing these low levels of CO2 to kind of accrue while people are on mechanical ventilation. What's uh, what's permissive hypercapnia? I just said it. <laughs> <laughs> Say it better. <laughs> Say it again, but better this time. Say it again, but it, make it make it feel this time. <laughs> From the top. Ready? From the top. Make it hurt. It's fine because you're done. So like I and I have like I, I can't even like you're not I'm not your supervisor. So it doesn't even matter. It's I, I'm also just like I'm not used to talking about this in like a casual situation, you know. I mean mm. you're being like grilled about it. Um, oh yeah. And just like yeah. getting yelled at. <laughs> just getting yeah. The and, mean age the mean age of our dissertation committees is like eighty. <laughs> Yeah, and so I was going against all these people that had m more years in research than I've been alive. So mm, yeah. um, more years post retirement than you've been alive. <laughs> yeah, to do so, nothing but read papers. Yeah, so I was a little terrified, but yeah. Anyways, permissive hypercapnia is where you put it, you take a patient and and they basically are on mechanical ventilation. Do you want me to do this or do you want like no me no to do this it? is your this is your show, Kirsten. So what we're probably gonna have to do is I'll say something and Nick will say it again, but just better. <laughs> and they're gonna be like this misogynistic asshole. <laughs> and he's not. It's just because I get really nervous and then can't talk. <laughs> Let her talk for herself. Okay, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> so let me rephrase that. I will say something unintelligible because I don't know how to speak like a normal person when I'm nervous, even though I don't. You know do, you do. I just I found out actually the first time that when you get nervous, you talk different because you spoke so fast at one presentation that I thought you were going to drop. I yeah, I just get so nervous and yeah. like. Although it's gotten better, your dissertation your dissertation defense was really good. It's because I practiced it for two weeks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I like had the script in my head, so yeah. when I'm like talking here on the fly, it's a little bit yeah. harder. That's like true. pits soaks. Like. Right 
<laughs> I, yeah, I think you caught that for me. I, I think there's something about that goat lab that just like, I think being I, exposed to the goats makes your pit sweaty for some reason. I am the sweatiest person alive after this like five years. Like, I don't know if it's just like stress. No, I think it's, there's no scientific evidence to back it up other than a hypothesis in an N of two. Yeah. But like, I was not, I mean, I was a sweaty human because I was like a relatively large male, but, but like after being with the goats for a couple of years, like even right? if I drink too much coffee or if I just like anything pits soaked, like dripping. My knees are sweaty. Like yeah. when I'm working out and I look down at my like leggings, I have just like perfect <laughs> circles. Over. I'm like, this is the grossest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like, so sweaty oh. knees. The back of the knees or the front of the knees? The front. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's really just, weird. Like, does something. I just need to get Botox shots over my entire I don't, body. I don't. Uh, something. To, maybe we both got the goat clap. Goats are known to goats are known to carry chlamydia. Gonorrhea. I thought it was gonorrhea. No. Oh. It's chlamydia. <laughs> <laughs> Same difference. Um. Anyways. Getting back on topic, um, mm -hmm. so I will say something in a television. An hour in. <laughs> An hour in. <laughs> science research. To be fair, we took a 15-minute break, so I could pull my laundry. Oh. I studied what happened. <laughs> um, why don't you just, like, prompt me to say things? Uh, you were studying the recovery. Yes. <laughs> from hypercapnia. Yeah, so, and it was important because, <laughs> I don't know why I'm so bad at this. Please don't ever have me again. <laughs> Part two, coming up. When I get, like, more experienced and, like, uh, not talking to the only other person in the room that knows more than about it than I do. <laughs> that was the worst thing, though, is, like, I, I don't envy your position, though, because, like, if you came like the hardest projects were the ones where you came in and someone had also had already started it because yeah. you always just feel like you're being tested or you're just like trying to, you know, do you're, you're like, you feel like you're trying to make it match up mm -hmm. with what had been already done before. Whereas like I kind of had it a little easier because I came in and there was nothing. No, no it was way. a brand new project. Like whatever happens, happens. And no one's so, done before. Yeah. So it was done. But then like the whole framework was there and like you had to go in and figure it out. And like the hard part is, is like there's so much individual variability sometimes. Yeah. And so all the results that I got were like those were the results from the 30 or 60 goats that I used. But like you're bringing in a whole new cohort of goats and so they can have a different response and then you get a different result and then everyone's looking at you like what did what? you do wrong? Yeah, I, that happened to me because so when well, and it's we plotted things differently. So you looked at acute chemosensitivity over the course of chronic hypercapnia, right? So over Which these is. thirty. Oh, I was like hypercapnia. You already covered it beautifully. No, no. no need for me acute to recap. Chemosensi acute chemosensitivity. <laughs> acute chemosensitivity is when <laughs> is essentially how this isn't a test. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to shower after this. So it's essentially like how sensitive uh, the respiratory system is to these acute changes in arterial hydrogen, right? Or at least hydrogen or CO2. Yeah. You're not. Would you like to? This, this isn't a quiz. So I, I'm just waiting for you to make it sound better. <laughs> to me, coming out of my mouth, it sounds like this is the stupidest 
you just I've ever like, said. you have to like it's basically like you have like a set point and then you have like a gain around it so basically like you're breathing at like let's say five liters a minute but like you give a stimulus and there has to be something to tell it to like breathe more or less more. And co2 is like a potent stimulus and so you can test how sensitive the your breathing system is to those stimuli and just give it a little bit extra co2 and see how much they've increased their breathing and then the change in breathing is their sensitivity yeah yeah beautiful that's see see done <laughs> anyways and you found during your studies like your chronic studies that between days two to seven it decreases so these animals are like less sensitive to mm. this like primary stimulus to breathe and it was a huge finding and then i went around and did the same study because i had to go through those 30 days to get to the start of my like no novel studies and these yeah, animals that was a bad choice <laughs> yeah i had that essentially your studies and then uh these animals were like you had some decrease in these sensitivity, but it wasn't like it was at 24 hours and then it went right back up. Yeah. Where it was just like two to seven and Bert was like, what's going on? And I was like, I don't know. It's just difference in goats. Like these nine animals are all a different breed and then you bring in nine more animals that are also a different breed. <laughs> From a different goat vendor too. Like the herd, yeah. of, the herd of goats that I used is different than the herd of goats that you used. Right. Right. And I was like, I don't, I mean, it, can we, can we genetically make some new ones? Like, I would love to just get some lab-grown goats in here so I can cut down on this variability. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that was really hard. But I guess one of my major findings from those studies was that after we take these goats to 30 days of this, like, CO2 retention and bring them back down to room air, um, everything relatively looks normal. Like their breathing is about six to eight liters per minute, which is normal. Should be um, the um, blood pressure, heart rate's all back to normal. The only thing that's different is these animals are more sensitive to these acute changes in hydrogen. So after they go back, after they go back, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. You didn't? Have you not read my paper? No, I'm on it, but I didn't read it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell me that. It was very important data. That is kind of cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, one of your big findings is that, I mean, here, let me tell you about your data. Um, <laughs> I forgot it. <laughs> is that it was a, there's this disconnect between steady state ventilation. So, uh, like, just yeah. for everyone on the pod, just have her breathing normally without being stimulated or. Nick, do you want to take it for a ride? <laughs> what is steady state ventilation? It's just like steady state every... ventilation. It's just like breathing when you, you're just sitting yeah. there. Yeah, it's just sitting there. Like probably not me right now because my heart rate's pretty high. So, um, but the anxiety's uh, just building. Yeah, just gonna... The bottle is just shaking in the background. Just gonna vomit and then proceed with my sentence. <laughs> so, so one of the big findings was that. Steady state ventilation, which is just like breathing without any external stimuli, just eupneic, normal breathing, um, adapted in a very different way than acute chemosensitivity. So these breathing was up, but it was not due to these animals being more sensitive to CO2 or hydrogen, these like main stimuli to breathe. That was like a major finding for your studies. Hmm. 
If you want to say it differently, go ahead. <laughs> no, you nailed it. I'm so good. Yeah. So, and then when I brought these animals back down to room AR, we kind of saw the same thing happen, except for um, room AR went back to normal rather than like in your animals, uh, acute chemosensitivity went back to normal, but ventilation remained elevated. But when we bring them back down to room AR, steady state ventilation goes back to normal, but these animals become more sensitive to acute chemosensitivity or acute CO2 challenges. So you still see this like independent adaptation of these two very different aspects of respiratory control, but they're just mm. kind of flipped um, in hypercapnia versus the recovery. Wild. Yeah. And we think it might be due to hypothesis. neuromodulation. Neuromodulation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's the pod. That's the pod. Neuromodulation. Yeah. But, yeah. But uh but you went beyond that though. You did uh you did some genetic stuff. Yeah, so that's a different story. Um that's not with the recovery story story. <laughs> oh, that's not the recovery. recovery? Story? Oh. No, I did just did Western blots, you know, I put on my John Wayne pants mm. one leg at a time, just like you did for the recovery and did Western blotting for all of that. Um, but the I made trans- a, was, was it me or you? Someone made, I think it might've been in my dissertation, the John Wayne joke. That was you at EB. I distinctly remember that because I just remember you like uh. making that joke. You're like, I did more Westerns than John Wayne. And then everyone just like cackled <laughs> and i was like i will never be him <laughs> i was like i didn't know you have to be funny <laughs> uh a western blot is like uh if you want to like understand what kind of proteins are in something you can use a technique called a western blot it's just what it's called <laughs> and uh i did a lot of them for my graduate work a lot a lot a lot of them because goats have big brains and uh Someone had asked a question at like one of the first national conferences, and I just said, "Look, I've done more westerns than John Wayne, so like, if it's not in there, it's not there." <laughs> and everyone loved it. It just like made it, went it over, up. Yeah, they it went over well. And then Nick is the shining star of <laughs> the new generation. <laughs> of respiratory people uh, and i'm in the corner in the shadows sweating zero social skills having to wear a jacket because you're sweating yeah um so yeah uh you did a metric crap ton of western blots who essentially found nothing uh mm-hmm. right you saw a little bit of changes but not enough to explain everything that we were seeing at yeah. the systems level and so we then said, what can we, like, what approach can we use uh, to kind of generate some new hypotheses? Because everyone we've hypothesized just, like, didn't work out. So my second project was utilizing bulk tissue RNA sequencing, which, <laughs> I think I'm going to explain this. Which is, you got <laughs> 10 words. Neuroscience in a minute. Neuroscience in a minute. It's looking... <laughs> This is bad. Um, RNA encodes for protein. Oh, you want to go that easy? Yeah. So you go from like DNA to RNA to protein 
And so when I looked at RNA <laughs> to see, I can't do this. DNA makes RNA. RNA yeah. is what encodes for your protein. And so when you do RNA tissue sequencing, you can get an idea of what kind of blueprints are within the cell to tell it what proteins to make. So you can see what kind of cells they are. Yeah. Beautiful. I could not have, I did not say it any better. <laughs> I took the words out of your mouth. Literally. <laughs> she just voiced it. And then I just like audioed over yeah. it. I was like, please put together these random thoughts that I have. Oh my God. Okay. So uh, I used RNA sequencing and uh, became proficient in R. I am a coder. Women wow. who code. I didn't realize yeah. it's used R. Yeah. Um, why, why did you why did you do r i use python um i use r because i firstly taught myself command line which oh. is just like basic syntax when talking to computers like wanted to screw up your computer yeah i just wanted to like do some scientific like hypothesis of like fucking around and finding out yeah um and it was really fun i enjoyed it i like moving files based on like two words and so <laughs> Control C Command. and Control V are too much. <laughs> right. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and so I learned command line just during COVID because I was bored and had nothing else to do because they shut our lab down. Mm. And then uh, our uh, language is really similar to command line. So that was just the most logical transition for me is to mm. move from command line into R. So all of my stuff in my manuscript is through R. Digipot, um, all those packages in R, I learned. Cool. Self-taught, baby. Wow, Khan Academy. If I can do it, I can do it, you can too. No, not Khan Academy. It no. was like this random, it was like Udemy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was the most enthusiastic person I've ever met. I've never met anyone as enthusiastic about that as coding. It was like... Yeah. I think I used like Code Academy. Yeah, I think his name was Zahid, and oh my god, that man was passionate about coding. It got me excited Ooh. for coding. Maybe but... he wants to do a podcast. Yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> That's gonna be better than this one. No, it's gonna be gonna be top. Is it, what episode is this? Eighteen. This is gonna be top eighteen. <laughs> yeah, number eighteen. <laughs> no, those are the Anyways. solo. Those are the solo episodes. I get like five people that listen to them. Mm. So they realize there's no one else there, and they're like, "Yeah, no, after this guy." Mm. Well, this episode they get to hear just a, someone mumble their way through there. Yeah, it's <laughs> dissertation. True. But um, so my second project was transcriptomics, and I had to learn how to do this all by myself because I was the only person in the lab. But we took punches. What do you want me to do? Just tell them what I did. Yeah, you're doing great. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're doing great. Uh, I'm not. Thank you. Good things. Yeah. Uh, uh -huh. uh, <laughs> so in addition to the recovery studies, I also did exacerbation studies. Which um, is? I'm getting there. What uh, is exacerbation? Can you let me get there? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. My bad. You do your or are thing. you just like, are you just like asking a question to like? I was just asking a question because... Uh, Maybe maybe exacerbation is a, a more common word than I believe it to be, but no, I was gonna explain what it was. Oh, yeah, okay. exacerbation. So this occurs a lot in COPD patients. So these patients are sick, 
and then they get some like secondary insult like usually most likely it's pneumonia or some other bacterial or viral infection and it causes their symptoms to get so much worse so they get it even more hypoxemic even more hypercapnic their lungs just continually go to crap and that's just known as acute on chronic exacerbation of COPD. So these patients get worse. And what we were interested in after your studies was, okay, we these animals have mild levels of hypercapnia. What happens if we make the hypercapnia worse? So I took goats, again, um, that's all we ever do in this lab, mm-hmm. and took them to seven days of mild CO2, which was the same levels that you did. Uh, which was 6%, and then to make the hypercapnia worse, to kind of like um, simulate an exacerbation in the clinic or isolating effects of CO2, we increased the levels to 8%, which caused our levels of arterial CO2 to go super high. These animals were living with like 65 to 70 millimeters of mercury, which is insane that they were even like so a lot of CO2. Yeah, it's a lot of CO2. It's not comfortable. No, um, I had breathed seven and a half one time and thought I was going to go into a full-blown panic attack. You're a warrior. (sighs) That's what I've been told. Um, (laughs) I only cry three times a week. (laughs) And it's on a downtrend. (laughs) Very mental health friendly podcast. (laughs) I'm very open about my struggles. I only cry three times a week, and it's only in a cold shower. <laughs> I can do it. You can do. <laughs> it's only when I mixed wine and Lexapro. Um. So yeah, I took these animals, gave them a whopper of a dose of high CO two, and then to even further um, test their limits, we did these. Um, those acute on chronic CO2 challenges, which is similar. It's essentially you're testing your acute chemo reflex again. So we're looking at how sensitive these animals are to hydrogen and CO2. And to do that, of these animals were at 8%, we increased CO2 to 9 and 10%, which was very much, very painful, I feel like, to these animals because they were struggling. So it was pretty intense. They were getting Um, close to the... The limits of the respiratory systems. Yeah, we really hit that ceiling, and that sh- that's confirmed uh, in my studies because we uh, we found is that in mild level, no matter at least up to thirty days. So in your studies, and we kind of did like a repeat studies uh, in my like first two studies, that even though they're exposed to these high levels of CO two after thirty, fourteen, or thirty days, these animals are still able to have that appropriate response to these mm. secondary challenges. But, and when you increase the levels of like steady state exposure, just like chronic exposure to more high levels, they lose that ability to properly respond. So when we took these animals to 8% and threw nine and 10% at them, um, that response was decreased. So they weren't as sensitive or they didn't respond as they should. They essentially just kind of elected to have the CO2 go further and further and further mm. without having the proper ventilatory response. They threw in the towel at that point. Yeah, they did. And I, I, I mean, we've had lots of good talks of like, is this because there's something going on within the respiratory system? Like, 
are these respiratory neurons like just dying just from the sheer amount of like mm. CO2 that's being introduced? Or is it like um, fatigue, the level of the diaphragm? Like, have we just maxed out how much these diaphragm muscles can actually fire? Or have we just reached, you know, the plateau of the curve of chemosensitivity, right? So when you expect with an increase in arterial hydrogen, a linear increase in ventilation, but up to a certain point and up to a low point, you kind of get a sigmoidal or a little curve going on for the plateau. <laughs> a little a little chicane up there. And a little of this. A little of this. Well, she's making like a walk like an Egyptian type of movement. Like I do that all the time, though. I just I'll say some like logarithmic or exponential or sigmoidal. And I have no idea if it actually is or not. Yeah. Like if, you, if, I, you just, you just if you go for it, it, no one questions. Wait, is it sigmoidal? Now I have to like look sigmoidal curve. Oh, heck yeah. That's, oh, yeah. There. That Nebraskan education is getting me a long way. Sigmoid. I never made it to geometry. Calculus. Oh, I, yeah, I never took calculus either. I never made it to geometry. I'm not making it to calculus. <laughs> As I've said many times in the show, Nick, no do no math. <laughs> Every time I had to do dilutions, I panicked and called Tristan. Yeah. Uh, but I remember that now. Uh, so, yeah. So that's something that we still have to, like, explore is, you know, what's causing this decrease in the ability to respond? Is it a failure at the level of the respiratory network, the diaphragms, or is it just the inherent nature of the curve, the sigmoidal curve mm. of acute chemosensitivity? But that was the physiology. But, but now you're you done. Also, I'm done. Yeah. I'm about to um, publish my third paper. And that's the transcriptomic stuff, which was huh. a beast in its own because I had to learn all of this. Um, I mean, you also decided to move to Florida. Well, I moved to Florida because I was doing this. I didn't move to Florida. Like, no. Well, I, that's right. Well, oh, I guess I guess that I was doesn't doing change. this, and then I would have done it no matter where my ass was at. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I just say like, it's 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 uh, you can do it remote once the tissue's yeah. been processed. Yeah. Yeah. So my husband, I guess, to the people that are here that have made it this. You're this waiting far. to say that, my husband. Yeah, we're married. Flashing um, a ring the whole way. The rock. Um, he's been married almost a year. He's also getting his PhD. He's been living in Florida, and I've been living in Milwaukee. We did four years of long distance. Sucked. And then since I was doing a lot of the transcriptomic stuff, Bert and Matt allowed me to work remotely. So I'm currently sweating my ass off in Florida because it's like 90 degrees here. Which that was kind of monumental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, I mean, they were. I mean, it was always like you were in lab, like. 10 to 8. Or you weren't doing anything. You were in there before 8 a.m. Or you were not going to be there. And yeah. you were like at... <clears throat> and then like at 4 o'clock, they were gone. Gone. Stop by your office to make sure you were still working. Stop by your office to make sure that you're still working. But at 4 p.m., everything shut off. Did not matter what was... You could be in the middle of a surgery and they would just put everything down and walk away. Mm-hmm. Good luck. <laughs> And then you'd get like an email or a call at like seven thirty, eight o'clock at night asking where's where the, the graphs are at. Yeah, where's the data? <laughs> and it's like, you I don't go know. go to your 
mystery graph folder where you just plotted something. <laughs> just said, look what I did tonight. <laughs> yeah, have you ever found something cool? You backlogged a bunch of graphs. And you just you waited. Those were your sleeper cells. <laughs> Weekend graphs. Weekend graphs. You needed like, I'm going to go hiking today. Just send like an auto reply at like 4 p.m. Check out the new data, even <laughs> though you analyzed it four weeks ago. <laughs> but that had to do a lot too. Things have softened up since COVID. That was a lot of COVID issues. Just like, I think the realization that you could like work remotely, like you didn't mm. have to be in lab to be productive. I mean, I had a full on presentation of like what I was going to do with my day while I was in Florida. Like, yeah. And then I had to like write a whole document about like, these are the things that I have to like benchmarks that I have to meet for me to think. It was like a I whole process. I am not going to be sunbathing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> as much as I wanted to. No, I had to like teach myself how to make some pretty graphs. But I think Manuscript 3 is like the coolest paper that's come out of our lab ever. It's probably the most innovative. Yeah, I mean, if you would have asked me five years ago if we'd be able to do, like, sequencing in a goat, I would have said absolutely not. And yeah. part of that was just because, like, the goat genome was literally just assembled, like, two to three years ago. So it, like, literally was not possible. Mm. Um, yeah, but so that was really cool that we could do actually something pretty molecular. It's, like, never been done in our lab before. I mean, your protein, like, your Western That was not, was that was archaic. I mean, but that was the most innovative reason. Oh, yeah, that was that still to the, yeah, up until then, that was the most innovative. Yeah. And that, that technique had long died before I picked it up. Yeah. <laughs> so. And we, and we had to, we had to fight to get like this $80 machine, <laughs> which like most labs have sitting in the garbage. <laughs> yeah, in storage. In storage, but we got one. Uh, By golly, we got one. Yeah, so I brought us into at least the 20th century, maybe. I don't know. Because yeah. sequencing's uh, kind of coming and going now. We had a hard time getting that funded because now everyone wants to do single cell sequencing, which is looking at the RNA that's in specific cell types. So bulk tissue RNA sequencing, you're just like looking at every single cell type that exists within the small little punch you're looking at. So, um, so now you got to figure out how to separate them. Yeah, so now you got to figure out. So that's like the next thing I think that we're moving forward to in the lab is like, okay, we have all these changes at the genomic level, but we got to really get some cellular resolution as to what's going on. But what I found, yeah, what I found, which was really interesting, and is kind of a hot topic, in, or at least it was a couple of years ago, uh, was a former hot a, topic. A former hot topic, but you got know, it. we're. We're a few years behind, so just let us have our peace. Let mm. me let me have let me have my moment. <laughs> <laughs> you do you. In, yeah. In mild hypercapnia, what our sequencing showed was that you had this predictive activation of the immune response and immune cells. So we have like this predicted um increased activity of immune cells like other whether those are astrocytes t cells or macrophages we don't know um we have yet to little parts that out so you have this like robust activated immune response in mild hypercapnia but in moderate hypercapnia 
Really? Is he dead? Oh, no, he's he he's breathing. He's he's got his neck in a weird position, but he's breathing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But in moderate hypercapnia, we have this suppression of the immune response based upon the genes. Like we have a lot of wow. genes related to like antigen presentation. Chemokines, they're all like down regulated, which is there's like difference between activation and suppression was like really interesting because when you like look in the literature, especially in the terms of like COPD, hypercapnia has been like a good thing, or at least low levels has been a good thing because it has a like overall suppressive effect on the immune system. So a lot of these clinicians want to use it because it suppresses the immune system and helps these individuals become less susceptible to infections because you don't have all of these molecules running around trying to fight an infection um, or exacerbate an infection. <sighs> Where And so that's been the common theme is that hypercapnia is suppressive to the immune system, but in our mild hypercapnia, it's like the first paper to show that high levels of CO2 can activate the mm. immune system. So that was a little hot topic. So we have this very different immune response. It's provocative. That's it's very provocative. It's ankle showing in the 1800s. Provocative. Whoa, shavakative. <laughs> shavakative. Nuts. So, yeah. Mhm. But then higher levels, so mild mild levels of CO2 trigger an you immune just, response. But high yeah. levels, you're good to go. High high levels. High high levels suppress the immune system. Yeah. And we we think so. There's a bunch of papers that came out that certain chemokines and cytokines, like IL-16, CCL2, which are all these like inflammatory responses. I don't know how late I have to get here. Um, it's your show. <laughs> so sorry if no one follows. It's just how I am. <laughs> it's all of these immune like mediators. Uh, they have this role to like alter the excitability of neurons and it's really cool because if you like look at it they can signal under neuron and change like um the receptor density so they can help recruit more of these receptors that uh glutamate binds to can also change like intracellular calcium so by shifting that threshold of uh, calcium signaling it makes these like cells neurons like hyper excitable so my working hypothesis is that in mild hypercapnia, you get this inflammatory response that recruits all these like immune-related neuromodulators that can modulate excitability of respiratory neurons. And that's what's driving that increase in steady-state ventilation. But in moderate hypercapnia studies, more severe, you like it kind of like tips the scales in the wrong direction and you get so much like of an immune response, it becomes immunosuppressive. And uh, then because, because you lose those cytokines, you lose that extra stimulus. And Is this all in the paper? Uh, it's going to be, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, I got to <laughs> upload all of the shenanigans to yeah. GEO repository before I can publish. But uh, Which is a beast in itself. It took me like three days to figure out what to do. And then I submitted the wrong files. <laughs> So I have to go back and submit it again. Just submitting some family photos. No, I Sorry. S- submitted 
there was like a fast. Don't fa- look at I the needed, third one. I needed to submit a fast Q zip file, and I submitted a fast QC file. So I just submitted all the wow. summaries from okay. the. Or, yeah, tell me about it. I felt embarrassed. I was like, Ugh, now they're gonna take away my PhD. I mean, once they give it to you, that's what I'm I, holding on to. I downloaded my um, diploma today. Download it, print it. You I got did, it. And I said, no. Just get a hard copy of it as fast as you can. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no one's going to take this away. Please. Get it and I run away. Don't yell at me or I'll cry. <laughs> Again. I'll cry harder than I'm already crying. <laughs> All right, Kirsten. We're already at an hour. We're, 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 we blew past the hour. Yeah, I was worried. I mean, like, what are we, an hour and 26 minutes? I think an hour and 15 was just us talking about random shit. I mean, that's kind of the the whole point. Is that the gist? I don't know. I'm going to be really really honest here. I've never listened to (laughs) to one Yeah, I figured. But it was, like, in solidarity, you know? I was just going to, like, let you have your moment and Mm. just, like, that way. And I was just wanting to be unbiased, you know? No, that's good. I mean, uh, a lot of guests come on and they're like, yeah, this is my first time I've ever heard of it. Like, cool. I figured. Yeah. I just like, but I I also didn't want to listen to it because I knew like eventually down the line I might get asked and then I would just even put more pressure because I feel like all these uh, people know, know what they're talking about and I'm hmm. just like, you know, fresh out on the scene. Still steaming. And, yeah. Um, and I am very much thriving with imposter syndrome. So I like <laughs> think I'm fake. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to figure me out. Yeah, but I'm doing good. I feel like way more confident now, especially with the like third paper under my belt. That's what yeah. I'm most comfortable with. I love that paper. I would be married to that paper. Then you can ride it. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Recovery stuff, not so much. <laughs> but the paper is also four years old. <laughs> like, yeah. They don't age well. Some of them do. No. And. I don't know. Have you ever like gone back and read your first paper? Nope. I did, and I was like, "Who wrote I this?" I don't want to see it. Yeah, so it's been cited a lot, but I don't want to see it. Yeah, by me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and you. Yeah, I just papers. cite my own paper. Yeah. <laughs> some I do have some papers where I'm like, "Oh wow, this got cited like twelve times," and then I realize, "Oh, those are my twelve publications that 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 referenced it." So. Mm. I did, though, see that you got published because I was doing a little bit for the cognitive function stuff. Oh. Have you talked about that yet? Uh, I mentioned, I think, on the last podcast, which yeah, you would yeah. know if you had listened, but. I told you right ahead. I never did. Yeah. Anyways, you saw that I got published? Yeah. I was what reading about, I don't know, some journal, and uh, obviously, but they were, like, talking about. I was like, for some reason, I was like citing it for the cognitive function stuff that I looked at. Oh, they referenced uh, me. Yeah, they referenced you, your first oh, paper, and your yeah. cognitive function. I think they did it. They looked at, they did like cognitive function and like people that like lived in an environment, like in, oh, it was like office space. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was like out of China or something like that. Let's see. Let's see. Ventilatory. Oh, it's cited 24 times. Direct human health risks of increased atmosphere. No. Air hunger. The uh, effects of elevated. Oh, the effects of elevated carbon dioxide concentration and mental workload on task performance in an enclosed. Oh, that's, that's environmental the one. chamber. That's the one. 
Yeah, I was like reading it and I was like, oh, these pretty people do goats too. And then I was like, oh, shit, that's Nick. <laughs> that's our study. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess too, another cool thing that I found in the recovery studies. Now that I'm, now I'm like in the mood. So. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I'm ready to get off. And I'm like, actually, no, the engines are running. The Let's engines go. are revving. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, I got another podcast I got to record in like 20 minutes. So you're good. Okay. You got time. Oh my God. Thank God. Now I'm not gonna be able to do it. So in my recovery study, we found that everything like went back to normal, right? Except for like how sensitive these animals are to mm. these changes. But in your studies, you did cognitive function because we did, we were like, obviously CO2 is not limited to the brainstem. It affects other places. So you found that cognitive function is impaired during these mild levels of CO2, right? Yeah. These goats picked less number of correct shapes. But in the recovery studies, it comes back within four hours. Wild. Yeah. So it was incredible. So that was also making me think, I go, maybe it's not cognitive function. I mean, maybe these same people can't see. Maybe they just can't see. Maybe they're just blind. I know. I did. We did consider that. So like we did a little cognitive test where we like the shape discrimination where we put two shapes on the side of the chamber. They had like an X and an O and they just had to pick one of the shapes, their snout, and they put their snout to it. And if they got the right shape, then they would get a treat. If they picked the wrong one, they didn't get a treat. And it was sort of their game that they played every day. And they were really good at it, actually. Like they picked it up pretty fast. It was pretty easy mm-hmm. to get them to do it. Like it was kind of the highlight of the day. And then you gave them the CO2 and it just went down to like 50% accuracy. So they just like, we're just picking random shapes. They weren't like actually doing the task anymore. And, uh, yeah. So when I did... couldn't figure out if they just like couldn't see anymore or <laughs> if they were actually getting dumber, like we couldn't really figure it out. And then of course, Kirsten comes along brings them off of the co2 and literally within like four hours four hours they just go back to totally to normal and we're like well it's probably not some long-term brain change that's making them dumber they're probably just having trouble seeing the shapes (laughs) and uh in more severe levels too it just stays right at 50 but you can't get much worse than you can't get worse than 50 because if you're worse than 50 they're actually getting better yeah they're actually just doing it on purpose. They're actually just picking the wrong shape on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> I had thought about that for a while because like the trained goats do like 90%. They get it right. You know? Yeah. Like, but for a while it would just drop down to like 50%. And I thought, ah, you know, like it's a pretty big decrease for sure. Yeah. And it's only one side. Like I still saw that too. Cause yeah. They would just... and yeah. They just like went to one side. They're just like, I'm just going to pick everything on the left. And then, uh, but then I realized, oh, wait, 50% is as bad as it gets, because if it's worse <laughs> than that, then they're actually getting better at picking the wrong shape. <laughs> Amazing yeah. beings we work with. Amazing creatures. <laughs> Trying to find the treats, though, was a nightmare. Yeah, you had to bring, like, a menage. Yeah, treats. you had to bring a buffet. I... You had to, like, give them a treat, but goats, like, surprise, like, despite the... The notions goats are really picky. Yeah. And so like we had the one that would only eat paper towels, but they had to be brown paper towels. Um I had one that would only lick sugar cubes off of my hand. Like if I put it <laughs> I had the most 
like sophisticated like pickiest goats ever like i gave that thing everything like i brought in everything like treat that you could think of and the only way i could get it to pick shape was if i presented a sugar cube on my hands and he could she could lick it up but if i like placed it in like the we had these like tubes that ran through the thing um like holes if i like placed it on the hole would not touch it if it was on hand mm-hmm. would touch it so it I had just to be served up on the flesh platter on a flesh platter and i was like this is literally what i'm doing with my life right now i'm a four-year phd begging this goat to lick a sugar cube off of my hand <laughs> <laughs> and tristan was like it my was. pcr didn't work and i was well, like my goat didn't lick my hand <laughs> we got i remember we got in so much trouble one time because um we had all the goat snacks because mm-hmm. like you had to get the data or whatever. And sometimes the goats would like eat raisins for two days and then they just didn't want the raisins anymore. And you're like, shoot it, you know, because like a lot of times yeah. like you'd forget to do the, the task. So you have to come back at like seven, eight o'clock or whatever. And you're like, all right, I just have to like drive all the way to campus just to go down and do like a four second thing where the goat picks some shapes and I give it some treats. And then you go down right. there and the goat was like, would take like, like they would kind of take a long time to say like mm. they would think about like which shape it is for the day and they're like contemplating and you're like can you just pick one please like I have <laughs> like things to do I gotta go and they're like and they would like walk up they're like it's the X ooh mm. it could be the O it could be the O today and you're like just pick one and you'll find out. Or when you're like, maybe they like this a little bit too much when they would just like throw their whole bodies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You would yeah, just put the would, shapes and they would just like tackle the entire would, wall. Like, just Give like, me that trace. Scratch it. And they're like, this one, this one, this one. It's the axe. It's the axe. I know it's the axe. <laughs> Give me that. Give me that. It's a jackal. jackal. It's a jackal. Jackal. It's a jackal. <laughs> God. Find <laughs> some. Like but, low sugar treats. Yeah. But then like they would just stop eating the treats and then so you'd have to be at the vending machine. So you just like buy one of everything at the vending machine. So you're like, you want an animal cracker? Nope. You want some popcorn? Nope. You want uh, some trail mix? Nope. You know, like nope. just pick something, mm. please. I really sweet feed. We have like sweet feeds that we give them, you know? Yeah. The so, sweet like, feed so, was good. So Timothy Hay. Timothy Hay was oh, yeah. real good, yeah. That was a the go-to. If if all else failed, Timothy Hay. Timothy Hay, yeah. But it wasn't cheap. You had to go buy it. You make poverty as a graduate student, so. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, we had all the treats in a drawer, and so like inspections came around, and they opened up the drawer, and we had like animal crackers and popcorn and raisins and cookies, and they're like, "What's going on down here?" It's like, listen. We had all these treats that had not for human consumption on them at the desperate end of times yeah desperate times You're... desperate measures like i this was everything i could find in the vending machine <laughs> you're like i just I need, need this graduate. one draft for my paper <laughs> i just need to graduate okay i spent 46 dollars today at a vending machine for a goat just let it go please i am begging you, you can have the unopened zebra crackers that's fine it's all yours you want the cheez it's you bet. Money. <laughs> Money. If we just both pretend we didn't see this, you can have any treat you want. Uh, 
just like lovely times as a Forrester graduate student. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Dr. Grams. Thanks for like putting me through this. I like, I hate for doing it. the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. It was awful. No, no, no. This is good. This is good. Wet um, pit stains abound. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to need a shower. <laughs> you shower before so, the in-laws. Yeah. I just get so excited about my data. I just sweat. Instant hyperhidrosis. I get it. <laughs> And then I just get so excited that I just can't talk about it. <laughs> if there's one thing that I've learned about you throughout your tenure is that enthusiasm over the data <laughs> is first in line. I, I still I st- I st- no, I still remember like some like sometimes you had some weird graphs that didn't match mine or whatever, and you're giving the presentation and you're just getting grilled, and yeah. then you were like, "Listen, this is." what i found if you <laughs> don't like forced. it get a different student <laughs> <laughs> well it was like tough because you would like make some random equation up and it would be the only thing that was significant and it would be like a little different and they're like what does this mean and i go i don't know nick made this up at 3 a.m on a saturday night i don't even think it's a real like measurement of anything <laughs> it's the only thing that was significant and mine doesn't match it so i don't know what you want me to do <laughs> with uh, made up equation <laughs> I did, yeah. I made up a lot of equations. I t- like I said, I thought I was going to be the last graduate student. I didn't think there was going to be a pedigree that was going to follow behind. Yeah, and have to do everything the exact same way. Yeah. Because it was the exact same studies. Like everything was tailored like for my specific results because I didn't think there was going to be anyone after. <laughs> Little did I know, Spur student Kirsten. Little Miss. Little Miss... Thing, <laughs> little Miss Freeshavakati was gonna come through <laughs> and follow in and have to use those uh, equations. But yeah, good on you for figuring them out. Hey, it took many of my weekends and several phone calls. Yeah, <laughs> you like who's calling? What Ignore. <laughs> I would have too. <laughs> yeah, she can figure this one out on her own. <laughs> yeah, well. All right, Kirsten, enjoy the uh, Florida sunshine. Hey, well, Tristan graduates next week, so. Oh, well, all my best to the uh, soon-to-be doctor-doctor duo. Yeah, he's leaving academia. He's a loser. Well, next time time he can join. Yeah, and he'll tell you all about herpes. Start with goat chlamydia, herpes, gonorrhea, HPV. Yeah, and we'll, we'll just do the gamut. <laughs> yeah. STD panel, podcast. Yeah. And how to study them. <laughs> and how to study them without contracting them, perhaps. <laughs> if you want. <laughs> if you want. The option's there. Okay, well, good luck editing this. Yeah, so. thanks. Okay. Be fun. Is that, a right. fan? Is that a fan in the back? That over there? Yeah, it looks like like a nuclear... Yeah, it's a fucking Bornado fan that Tristan has at three, or like maximum power every night. So I have to like sleep with the covers over my head because I'm just getting blasted with air. And sometimes, and sometimes he has another fan <laughs> going if you don't If you don't so, cover your face, do your lips just like... Yeah, I'm just getting <laughs> like fucked by air. <laughs> 
Uh, just literally, and Tristan's like, I can't feel it. And I go, yeah, because it's on me. And he's like, uh, I can't sleep because it's too quiet. Yeah. So I'm used to sleeping machine. next to a Boeing 737. <laughs> this is soothing. I, I like sleeping on the window seat. Yeah, it reminds me so, of the airplane. It's so loud and so cold. <laughs> well, at least you're going to be crowd protected. Cryo-protected? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Thanks, Kirsten. ciao. Ciao, love. Well, next uh, time we'll be better. I don't know. This was this was perfect. No. Uh, when I get my postdoc, if I ever get a job. <laughs> yeah, we'll do another one. Yeah. Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Neuro Network. Like, comment, subscribe. You got it. Anything Are you talking you about to me? Oh. No, I'm just saying that's like to the podcast. Oh. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> to the podcasters, sorry. <laughs> I mean, you can put in a plug if you want. Follow Dr. Grams at Kirsten Grams on Instagram. No. <laughs> Don't follow her. She, There's a she... lot. Of, it's just a lot of pictures of my husband. <laughs> yeah. And me. Fine. Look, look up, look her up at uh, Google Scholar. Yeah. That's your plug. Your plug yeah. is Google Scholar. Yeah. yeah. Go see Google Scholar in like a couple months to hear about the paper I'm real excited about. <laughs> there you go. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye, Kirsten. Thank you for this time. No, no. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>